Good morning, everyone. Last uh, week we were uh, going through our uh, we've been going through our gentle and lowly series, which is looking at different aspects of Jesus from scriptures. So there's a different sort of scripture, a different aspect of who he is each week that we're looking at. And last week we looked at Jesus, our intercessor, the one who uh, scripture says lives to make intercession for us. Um, so we were we were looking at that. Now this. Uh, this week we've moved on to the next uh, uh, set of verses, and we're looking this week at Jesus, our advocate, or looking at what what a what an advocate is and how Jesus is that for us. So, in one John chapter one and verse six, we'll just read that uh, through to two verse two. It should come up behind us somewhere, and then it'll uh, it'll probably uh, stay up there from time to time. Different uh, verses, so. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of of the whole world so father i pray you just help us in these few minutes together just to um feed on this truth help us lord every one of us pray holy spirit would you illuminate the truth to us lord each of us has got different needs and different things that you you know us very well lord and i pray that you help me just in my limited words help me to say things and draw attention to things Holy Spirit, you can then, um, as it were, get hold of those and, and, and feed us all in the way that only you can do that. So I pray that we'll all be strengthened this morning as we look at these things together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll just sort of have a look at a, a few of the aspects in the verses here. And the first one is uh, in the verses in, in chapter 1, verse 6. It says, um, if we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in darkness um, and don't practice. Uh, sorry, if we, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And then in um, chapter 2, verse 1, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Now, I just wanted to look at this whole thing. When we, when we receive Christ as our saviour, Something does change within us. We have a new nature. We're given the na- we're given we're, we're partakers in the divine nature. Our old fallen nature, that to be honest, just lived its own way, did its own thing. We weren't necessarily bad people in our own eyes, but we lived for ourselves. We didn't acknowledge God. We did damage to ourselves. We did damage to other people. All of those things, all of that brokenness within us, is what the Bible calls sin. It uses that word sin or transgressions or unrighteousness. It's all the same sort of meaning to say that there's things within us that 
offensive to God and uh, are separate from him. We, we didn't submit our lives to his lordship. We, we lived without him. And we were quite happy to live without him going our own way. And the first thing that we just draw attention to here is that there, there is therefore, when we receive Christ, there is a radical change that takes place within us. And John writes there, he says, if we, um, if we say we have fellowship with him, so in other words, if we say that we're Christ's, but we don't live a different life or desire to live a different life, then actually there's something not right. Because just as an apple tree will produce apples, there's something about when you become a Christian, you will produce the fruit of righteousness. Your, your life will, by and large, be one that wants to please God, that naturally is wired that way now, because there's been a whole change of your fundamental nature. So he's, he's firstly saying, you know, there's something, uh, as evidence, there's evidence that you've come to know the Lord. If actually you really do want to please him at heart. And that's very encouraging for all of us because sometimes, I, you know, people do struggle thinking, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? Do I really know the Lord? Did I pray that prayer correctly? Have I done all the right discipleship things? You know, how do I really know I'm saved? Well, what he's basically saying here, the, 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 the proof of the pudding's in the eating. He's saying, if, if your life, if within your heart you're thinking to yourself, actually, I, I do want to please the Lord. It's natural. I'm not doing it out of fear. I'm not doing it. It's got to keep rules. There's just something within me that loves the Lord and doesn't actually, in my heart of hearts, I, I don't want to displease him. He's saying that's a, that's a sign. That's a sign that you're the, the genuine thing. Because if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with him and with one another. There's a sort of an authentication thing. So there's something natural about that. We don't want to sin. Our bias has been changed. If we abide in him, his life flows through us. And we, we genuinely, uh, uh, generally, will we'll find our life pleasing to the Lord. But the question this morning is this, and the question that we all grapple with is this. What if we do sin? Because we might think, well, I don't really want to, but then we do. And in those moments we do, we did want to, which is why we did it. You think, well, how does that work? If, if, what do I do with the fact that I have done something wrong? Um, what do, when, we, when we grapple with something we've, we've done and we think, well, if I'm a Christian and I've just done that or thought that or behaved like that, or what do I do about that? But there's provision. Because in chapter 1, verse 2, he says this, I write these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does, then there's provision. So this is good news for you as a Christian. You do not have to be sinlessly perfect. And even if you thought you might have needed to be, here's the, here's the, 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 the harsh truth, you never will be. You and I have got sin lurking in our flesh, our appetites, our 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 personalities, all that stuff within us that's not yet fully redeemed because Christ has not yet returned and, and all things have not been made new. There's still stuff within us. Our flesh has appetites and wants us to do things that, we, that displease the Lord. So I want to try and look at what do, we, what do we do and what hope is there for us if we do sin as Christians. Now, the first thing also to say is if you're here this morning uh, or you're listening to me uh, from the church, uh, 
membership. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, if you're on the church membership that you're a Christian. I mean, I to, you know, I said, well, my name's on the on the roll. Well, it might as well be on a sausage roll. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, that that will not. That will not save you. It it is of no redemptive help whatsoever. Yes, but I serve in this and I serve in that, and I've been going for years. Yeah, but the point is, have you crossed from death to life? By receiving Christ as your saviour. That's, that's the first thing that's got to be fundamentally put in place. And it's a very simple thing. But it's not easy. It's very simple. The Bible says to him, to as many as received him. He gave the power, the right, the authority, the, the inheritance to, to, to call themselves children of God. You just receive him by faith. Simple prayer, a simple posture in your heart. Lord, I receive you as my saviour. That's a very simple thing, isn't it? It's not easy. Because it does mean surrendering our lives over to somebody else. Who we then say, right, from now on, Lord, you're in charge. We don't like that, do we? We find that difficult. But the thing is, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we actually think, I'm very glad you are in charge. Because he does a much better job of it than the rest of us would do, doesn't he? What a joy. I was what tremendous scriptures Mary read out there. What a, what a joy to have a saviour who knows that we are but dust and yet has taken our sins as far as the east from the west. Yeah, he's taken it. He's, what a tremendous release that is and relief that is that we don't have to um, make ourselves right with God. Someone has done it for us and invites us in saying, no, I've, I've, paid, I've paid the price. You come in. You haven't got to pay any fee at the door. I've I've paid it. Come in. Just receive him. So we have to, uh, but getting back to thinking about us as uh, believers, what do we do if we do sin? Well, verse uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now just think about that for a minute. If all we had in life was don't do that, don't do that, don't do that because that displeases God. You can't do that. Don't touch. Don't listen. Don't taste. Don't, 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 don't. If all we had that was that, but no help was given in order to prevent us from that, or worse, no help was there to, to help us, rescue us when we did do something wrong, that would be a very heavy burden to carry. And that actually is how every other kind of, religion or, 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 or belief system in the world works where you keep rules. You have to do this. You have to um, do certain things that you might make amends for what you've done or certain things you need to do to please God or to be in his good books to add enough righteousness into your account so that he will look on you favorably. But actually, following Christ is completely different. Because following Christ is, is not about us looking at rules and having to keep them. It's about us looking at rules, seeing the fact that there's nothing with us, these laws which are perfect, these laws which are good. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, don't covet. These things are good things. But yet we look at them and we think, well, I, I can't keep that all the time. I I failed in that. But we have someone 
who kept all that on our behalf. And who says, look, everything I did, I'm going to give to you as if you'd done it. That's amazing, isn't it? He gives us the help. We don't have to carry the burden of the hard work. He's done it for us. You see, we don't just need exhortation to live a good life. We need liberation. We need someone to set us free so we're not crushed by a burden we can't, we can't live under. We not only need Christ as a king who we obey, we need Christ as a redeemer and a friend who comes alongside when we've disobeyed. We need someone to rescue us. It says there, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So what then, at the heart of this one we're doing this week, what actually is an advocate? Well, let's try and um, look at the difference between an intercessor and an advocate we looked at last week, just to try and get the idea of what the difference is between an intercessor and an advocate. So... Um, in a, in a church I, I knew some year, many years ago, um, set out a bit like this. Uh, over one side of the room sat this lady, elderly, elderly lady. And on the other side of the room sat a much younger lady who was her daughter. And for years, they sat completely opposite sides of the building. And they hadn't spoken to each other for many years. And so week after week, they would come to church. They would sit opposite sides. They were completely unreconciled and never spoke to one another. For year after year after year after year, I watched that, watched that go on. Or I, knew, I knew that that was going on. It's very heartbreaking. Now, what they needed was an intercessor and an advocate. Because an intercessor mediates between two parties to bring them together. So, remember we looked last week that Jesus, in his work on the cross, and the holy righteous demands of, the, of, of a holy God, and there's, and there's kind of um, us with all our sinfulness, Christ, through his work on the cross, ever in, lives to intercede for us and to bring us to the Father by appealing on behalf of the, on the work that he's done. He's, he's praying, interceding to reconcile, to bring together two parties that, that are separate from one another. Now, I've got to remember in these images, we're not talking about God as being, the Father as being against us. They're just images, right? Actually, God, it was God's idea to save us in the first place. God the Father God so loved the world, he sent his son, right? So the father is not like kind of looking for reasons not to accept us. It's just an image, right? Saying that Jesus has stood between the two opposing parties and has brought them together. There's, there's this intercession going on. So those, those ladies needed that. They, need some, they needed someone to almost get hold of their hands and, and bring them together. They needed, they needed that intercession. They needed someone to intercede between the two of them. But they also needed someone to be an advocate. And an advocate, to use the image, would be someone who aligns with someone, not standing between the two, but moving to stand with one party to help that one party approach the other. So an advocate um, actually goes to identify with one party and bring them to the other. 
No. Um, Christ, in his work on the cross, has become our advocate. So what happens is when we sin, pictorially, just imagine this is what happens. When we sin, when even as Christians we, we, we sin and we do, you know, uh, the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We, we do sin. Even as Christians, we sin. Christ comes and stands with us, aligns himself with us, and as it were, stands and points to the heavens and declares to God, declares to the angels, declares to the universe, I stand with this, my dear son or daughter, and I'm pleading their case because of what I've done on the cross. They are cleansed because of me. He advocates for us. He takes the initiative. He stands with us. We don't have to go groveling to God. He comes and stands with us the moment that we've done something or thought something or, uh, you know, wrong. He, he through his work, brings, uh, stands with, with, with us, bringing us towards uh, God the Father. Now, that same word advocate is used only five times in the New Testament. It's used in John chapter 14 to 16 of the Holy Spirit. Uh, where, and, and the word can be translated helper, advocate, counselor, comforter, companion. But it's been used, it's been translated advocate uh, in this particular situation. Because at its heart, it expresses Christ's deep solidarity with us. It's expressed that he's in our corner. If we sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate, not we will have one. We have one. He's in our corner right from the beginning. He's allied to us. He came to you and me out of his free choice. He comes to us constantly. He's actually attracted to us um, when we go wrong. He rushes to our aid when we get it wrong, when we say and do things that are wrong. He rushes to us. He he embraces us and says, no, I'm an advocate for them. I'm an advocate for them. They are clean because of what I've done. He pleads our case before the throne. We don't have to plead our innocence because we're guilty. He pleads our innocence because he was made guilty for us. He fights for us. He comes and stands with us out of his choice. Now that gives me as a as a believer that should give you as a believer a real calm confidence christ is with us throughout all the ups and downs of life all the difficulties all the challenges all the times when we get it right get it wrong we have a steady constant advocate who is always always not only interceding for us but always pleading our our righteousness because of his work on the cross we don't have to earn anything. He's earned it all for us. So what does that mean for us today in how we, in how we live as Christians? Well, here's a question for you. What do you think Jesus thinks about you? It's important for a Christian to think about that. Right now. What do you think Jesus thinks about you? As many of us sort of sometimes feel, well, perhaps he sort of puts up with us, you know, a bit like, you know, when you got to empty the rubbish bin in the kitchen, you thought, hold your nose, because you've just got something you've got to do, but it's got to be done. You know, I've got to save them. I'd rather not, but someone's got to do it. No, it's not like that. He's not sort of reluct- a reluctant saviour. 
He loves you so much. So much that he's willing to die. He couldn't face the fact that you would be lost. He thought, no, I've got to do this because I love them. I, 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 I love them. I'm going to die for them. I'm going to use my righteousness and give it to them and take all their guilt on myself. This is a proactive saviour. He's not, not sort of looking for people who kind of deserve it and thinks, oh, yes, they're not a bad person. I think I'll, I think I'll have them. They kind, of, they kind of make it all worth it. No, he's looking for the ones that don't make it worth it. He's looking for the ones who um, know that they are lost without him. We need to know what Jesus thinks of us. Not what he thinks about us when we're feeling and behaving with spiritual zeal and vigor and vision. But how does he feel about us when we lose our temper? When we overindulge, when we people please, when we gossip, when we get involved in lying or lust or all sorts of... How does he feel about us then? Is he disappointed? Is he distanced? Is there something about him that's sort of turned off by our... You know, he's disillusioned by us. It's who is he to us, not after we've said sorry and repented, but who is he before all that, once he knows and we know that we've got it wrong? Well, the answer to that is he loved us when he had no illusions whatsoever about what we were like. And he remembers we are dust. He's, he made a free, full commitment to saving you and me because he wanted to, because he loved us. We have a new identity now in Christ. And when we live beneath that identity, when we forsake it, when we wander away a bit, when we grow lukewarm, he never forsakes us. He never grows lukewarm about you and me, ever, ever. In fact, when we are feeling furthest from him, those are the very moments who he goes into strong advocacy for us because he wants to hold on to us and plead our case. Silencing all our accusers, declaring to anyone who might accuse any satanic things that might accuse us. He says, no, I have cleansed them and you have no right to accuse them. That's a final, final word over our lives. Sometimes we naturally try to self-justify ourselves and we perhaps manufacture reasons why we weren't really as bad as we actually have been. But we never have to, we never have to do that again because we have an advocate who knows all the rotten stuff about us and yet still appeals strongly on our behalf and wins through for us by pointing all the accusatory voices to his finished work on the cross. As we sang last week, when Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within, up would I look, see him there, who made an end to all my sin. It's the final word. And just to close, I'll just read a, a quote from John Bunyan. It's a slightly old, older language, as it were, but it's such a great quote. He said, Christ gave for us the price of blood, but that's not all. Christ as a captain has conquered death and the grave for us. But that is not all. Christ as a priest intercedes for us in heaven. But that is not all. 
Sin is still in us and with us and mixes itself whatever we do with whatever we do. Whether what we do be righteous or civil, for not only our prayers and our sermons, our hearings and our preachings, but our homes, our houses, our shops, our trades, our beds are all polluted with sin. Nor does the devil, our night and day adversary, forbear to tell our bad deeds to our father, urging that we might be forever disinherited for our deeds. But what should we do now if we had not an advocate? Yes, if we had not one who would plead, yes. And if we had not one that would prevail and that would not faithfully execute that office for us, why? We must die. But since we are rescued by him, let us, as to ourselves, lay our hand upon our mouth and be silent. And what Bunyan's saying there is, you know, there's so many reasons why without Christ we would be lost. But we do have an advocate. We do have one who has made us righteous. Praise God, you and I in Christ are completely righteous this morning because of the finished work of Jesus. And that will never, ever change. Whatever comes and goes, whatever ups and downs of life, his advocacy on our behalf will never finish. His intercession on our behalf will never finish. We have one who has saved us and is saving us to the uttermost. Let's, let's just pray together. Father, we do thank you that Jesus not only has um, died for us, but he ever lives to be our advocate. He is the one to whom we run for confidence whenever our hearts condemn us. We thank you that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that every moment of every day we are righteous in your sight. Thank you that you plead our case. You remind all heaven and earth every time there is unrighteousness and we feel so discouraged about ourselves. You remind us and you remind the Father. You remind the heavenly realms of all that you did on the cross for us. And we're strengthened by that. We're strengthened by the truth that Jesus Christ the righteous died in our place and is now an advocate for us with the Father, ever pleading our righteousness because of his sacrifice. What an amazing, settled thing that is in our hearts, that we, whatever else we have to navigate in life, we don't have to navigate our rightness with you, Father, because your Son has settled that once and for all. And we rejoice in that this morning. I pray, Lord, for any who don't as yet know you, Jesus, as their saviour. Let them see how you beckon them this morning. Say, come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Lord, I do pray that anyone who's not yet, as it were, received you as their saviour, give them faith to do that this morning. Give them confidence just to reach out to you simply and say Jesus I receive you as my saviour forgive me for my sin cleanse me from all unrighteousness I give my life to you Lord I pray that simple simple step of faith would be true for anyone listening Lord to this this morning that we would all know the saviour 
and be found in him today. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.